I always wanted a job here. Yeah, this is called marketing. Romans 13, join with me. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? <clears throat> then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others have has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandments there may be, are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is clearly nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Amen. Thanks, Brad, for uh, reading that for us this morning. I'm going to ask you to keep your Bibles open, your sermon notes out to Romans 13. And we've been in the Romans road trip uh, since last year, and some may ask, how can a book with only 16 chapters have dozens of sermons? attached to them, and because it's just such an important book for us to study. And in chapter 13, especially today, the context is chapter 12, where Paul is talking about us offering ourselves to God in those first two verses. It's not on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, just turn one chapter back to chapter 12, and we offer ourselves in worship to God, that he would come in and that he would transform us, that he would change us. And so Paul continues that thought here in chapter 13, when he talks about the transformed life and what it looks like. And in chapter 13, he takes two specific things that we're called to submit to in this new transformed life we have in God. And that is first, that we would submit to governmental authority. And second, that we would submit to God and one another in love. And so that's what Paul's talking about here in Romans chapter 13. And I want to say this today, as heavenly kingdom Christians, we are called to submit to earthly 
governmental authority. This isn't just Paul talking in Romans 13. This is a theme that goes throughout the New Testament in Peter's writings and Jesus' messages to us that we are called to submit, even though we are citizens of heaven, we are submit to the governmental authority that is over us. And how do we do that? Two ways. One, we pay taxes. And Jesus uh, not only taught about that, he practiced that in paying his taxes. And secondly, we respect and honor those in authority. We're called to submit, and Paul uses the word submit here, and when he does, he uses a Greek word that is actually a word of ranking, that the military would use for a soldier that is underneath the commanding officer, and that we are to submit ourselves to the commanding authority, that we are to rank under and thus follow orders of those that are over us. So ultimately, in this transformed life, we are called to serve the Lord, offer our lives to God, to worship Him that way, but then we're called to obey the government. That's our call. And I know what happens when you start talking about the government in church. All of a sudden, people are like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, hold on. And especially when you say we're called to obey and pay our taxes and, and submit to authority and rank under and all those things, because immediately what goes through our heads is, you know, Daryl, do you know how ungodly our leaders are? Do you know how bad our government is? Don't you realize, Daryl, that we live in the state of Illinois, the most corrupt state in all of the United States? Don't you realize, Daryl, what you're asking us to do? And it's not me. It's God. And I want to tell you today, in case you think you have an excuse, Paul wrote this, this letter to the Romans, when Nero... Nero was the emperor of Rome. You may not know a lot of emperors of Rome, but Nero you know, don't you? He was the most sinful, demonically possessed. I mean, he was corrupt. He was lustful. I mean, he was the worst of the worst of the worst. And yet Paul says, I want you to submit to the authority of Rome. Do you realize that Nero killed Paul and killed Peter and killed a lot of Christians, so many of them that he has his own section in the Fox's Book of Martyrs? I want to tell you that if Paul can write to submit to the man that's going to kill him, we can submit to any governmental authority that is over us. I know another objection might be, well, you know, aren't we supposed to obey God rather than man? Absolutely. But those times are fewer and much farther between than you think they are. And when you do, you need to be ready, like Peter and Paul, to be put in prison and killed for your faith. See, it's all about the gospel for them. It was all about the kingdom for them. When they did have to obey God rather than man, when they were told to stop preaching and they wouldn't stop preaching, that's one thing that they did. But they did submit to the governmental authority. See, believers are to never reject governmental authority. We're never called to be terrorists. We're never called to be anarchists. We see in this passage of Scripture five different times in these short verses that we read that the, the, the term of God, that government is of God. That indicates that the origin of human government comes from God and that the office is in place by Him. Now, the person in that office, they may not be godly, 
They may not be God's first choice. Whatever you want to say, they, they may not be a man or woman of God. But you know what? The government, the office is there. And so he says, I want you to be respectful. I want you to honor. I want you to submit to the authority in your life. Say, yeah, but, but my party didn't win. And my, God's, my guy's not in office and all these different things. You know what? The Bible never, in the New Testament, it talks about our lives as Christians. You know that God never endorses any formal form of government? He never says democracy is the best or a monarchy is the best. He doesn't talk about that at all. The only thing Jesus says in John 18, 6 is this, that my kingdom is not of this world. That's the only thing. And we're citizens of heaven. And so wherever we find ourselves, we find ourselves under the governmental authority where we live or where we travel to, and we're to submit to that authority. Now, with all of that said, I'll say this, that the best bet for any nation, any government, any leader in the world is to submit and honor and seek God. That's the best bet for any nation, for our nation. The best thing we can do as a nation is to seek God, to submit to Him, to submit to His ways. And that's what I love about the National Day of Prayer. I love the National Day of Prayer because what we do is we get on our knees and we cry out for our nation. And, and, and going back to the book of Psalms, because this year in the National Day of Prayer, they choose a verse each year. And this year's verse is Psalm thirty-three, twelve: Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You have to say amen to that, don't you? Because any nation, when you submit to God, that's the best bet you have. So I encourage you on the National Day of Prayer to pray. And as the church, we're called to pray for our nations and pray for our leaders. I like what John MacArthur said about the church and believers. He said, believers are to be model citizens, known as law-abiding, not rabble-rousing, obedient rather than rebellious, respectful of government rather than demeaning of it, a godly society, doing good and living peacefully within an ungodly society so that the saving power of God is clearly seen. That's what we're called to do. That's how we're called to live. I believe that the New Testament teaching on the Christian and civil government can be summed up into three words, and I want you to write these three words down. Three words are pray, pay, and obey. That's what we're called to do. Pray, pay, and obey. And as you write them down, if you want to underline one of them, underline that first one, pray. That's what we're called to do. We're called to pray. And I'm talking about this, especially in an election year, because you are going to have a strong opinion about who should win. And you're going to have a guy that you want to win. And if your guy wins, you'll be happy. But if your guy loses, you'll be depressed and mad. And so we're going to have all this going on over the next several months. But I'm going to ask you that whoever our president is, whoever our governor is, whoever our senator is, whoever our congressman is, whoever our mayors are, that we would submit to them. We would honor them. And we would honor the office that they hold. And I encourage you to do that because that's what God says to do in his word. And you may say, well, Daryl, that's easy for you because you don't have political opinions. You don't really care. Ha. <laughs> I have very strong personal political convictions. But I also have a conviction that God's word is the truth. And that I obey God's word rather than what I want. 
And the, here's, here's the bottom line. I want to I get this. We're going to clear all that junk away, and, and here's where it really was what Paul's talking about. This is a chapter on submission. And, and what he's saying here is, I don't care if you like who's in power. God told you to submit. And so our submission is recognizing that we love God, and we're going to honor him. God says later in his word in John's epistles that how can you say you love your brother when you say you love God and hate your brother? Because you can't even see God, but you can see your brother. So you love the person you can't see, but hate the person you can see. And so God's basically saying that about, about government. He's saying, yeah, sure, you say you submit to me, you say that you love me, but you can't even submit to the people that I placed over you. See, the reality is, is that it's all about him and submitting to him. And we submit to him by submitting to governmental authority. And, and you know what? We don't like to submit. I don't think there's anybody in this room that likes to submit. It's a dirty word, but it's an important word in the way God works. And we're called to submit. I had to practice that this week. I was at an awards banquet in downtown Chicago, and I looked on the list of speakers, and one of my personally most despised politicians was going to speak that night. I won't tell you who that is. But I knew that he was coming up, and, and I'm like, oh, I'm diametrically opposed to everything he believes in. When he goes up, I will not clap. I will not stand. I will sit there silently, and I will pray the precatory psalms over him. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do it. But, but I would, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, I, I, I was like, I mean, I, and then, then I remembered what I'm preaching this weekend. And I clapped, and I stood because he represents me. And God told me to submit to the authority that he has. And so I had to live it out this week. It wasn't fun, but I did it unto God. And the reality is, is that all I'm required to do is not to just shout out my opinion, but to pray, pay, and obey. And when you do that, you're going to show that you belong to God. Moving on to the second part, he now begins to talk about submitting to others. And he says in verse 8, Owe nothing to anyone but love. So we're not to owe anything but love. And this is an interesting statement because we live in a culture that's very comfortable with debt, right? I mean, we just we have a lot of debts. If I had you raise your hand, how many people in this room are in debt? I would assume, no, no, put your, put your hands up. I would assume almost everybody would raise their hand. If not, everybody would raise their hand. I wouldn't have gone, I, wouldn't, I would not have been able to go to school that I've gone to if I had not taken out student loans. I wouldn't have a house today if I didn't have a mortgage. That's just part of life, and, and debt's part of life. And this is not a message on finances because it's a message on submission. But we're not called to owe anything to everyone. And so whatever debt we do have, we are to pay it off. And, and yet we're so comfortable with debt, whether it be as a nation with our national debt or even personally with our personal debt, we are just very comfortable with debt. When we go to check out at a store, they'll say, hey, do you want to, um, uh, do you want to fill out this application and, and you get 20% off your purchase today? And just so we can brag that we got an extra 20% off of that shirt that was already on sale, we'll give them our social security number and everything else so that we can get an extra 20% off. 
We are so comfortable with debts. We know that we have to pay those bills. So we pay them at the, the beginning of the month, and we, we send out our, our check for our homes or our cars or our student loans or whatever, and we, and we pay our debts, and we're comfortable with debt in our life. We shouldn't be so comfortable with it, but we are. And so what I'm going to ask you today in a culture that's very comfortable with debt is that we would get very comfortable with our debt of love that we owe. See, the Bible says that we're not to owe anybody anything except for love, and love is a debt that you will never repay. I hope that you repay your debts as quickly as possible. I really do. But there is a debt that will never be repaid, and that's your debt of love that you owe not just to God, because we're to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, but that we are to love one another. And that is a debt that we are called as believers. That's submitting to one another, that I will love you. I will put on God's love. And he says so beautifully in this passage of Scripture that when we do that, that love fulfills the law. There's no higher motive than love. And and when we see that and we see God's love through the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, then we'll see the law being fulfilled in our hearts and lives. Not that we're fulfilling the law, but that we are loving one another. That we are controlled now by our love. That we are paying our debt of love one to another. And when you begin to pay your debt of love one to another, all of a sudden those things that are found in the Ten Commandments start working themselves out. All of a sudden children will obey their parents. There won't be the the issue of murder or adultery or lying or stealing or coveting because I'm walking in a debt of love and I'm motivated by God's love at work in my life. And so just as a nation that is comfortable with debt, let's be a nation comfortable with the debt of love and that we owe a debt of love to God that we can never repay. And so for this entire life, I will love my neighbor as myself. I will look at others, and I will be controlled by the love of God. As he ends this chapter, beginning in verse 11, we see seven ups that he gives us here in this last part of the Scripture here. We'll begin in verse 11. These last seven ups that are there. It says, wake up, verse 11, wake up from your slumber. Awake, be ready, be active. He's saying it's time to wake up. Secondly, he says, wise up, verse 11. Know the time. We need to understand the day in which we live. We need to be aware, making the most of every opportunity, being led by the Holy Spirit with ears to hear what God is saying. Why? Because the next up, look up. Our salvation is near. The entire context of this chapter is in view of Christ's return. And if the day was near back then, it is nearer today. I want to tell you that we live closer to the return of Christ than ever before in human history. And we are to look for His appearing. And so we look up. The next one we back up to when we first believed. I always think of Revelation chapter 2 and Jesus speaking to the Ephesian church there that they had lost their first love. He says, return to the things you did at first. Go back to that beginning. And the next one is clean up in verse 12. Put aside the deeds of darkness. Clean up. I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the morning, I'm a mess. Before I come to church, I better take a shower and brush my teeth and comb my hair and put on some deodorant because you wouldn't want to see me otherwise. I mean, I need to clean up when I wake up. And God says, I want you to clean up. I want you to, to be ready. 
Next one is dress up, put on the armor of light. In the Greek, when it talks about dressing up, it's talking about clothing or garments, the idea that we would get dressed, that we would put on Christ, as it says in the last verse of chapter 13, that we would put on Christ. And that's important because when we think about putting on Christ, we often think about our salvation experience, that we invite him into our heart, invite him into our life, and we put on the righteousness of Christ. And so that's when we do it here. But the way he says it here in dressing up, it's an ongoing word in the Greek. And so I believe it's saying that we would put on Christ every morning, that we would put on his righteousness every morning, that we put on his attitude every morning, and that we would put on Jesus. And when we put on Christ, we have to take off that selfishness, take off that sin, take off that lack of submission in our life and put on Christ. The last one is that we would stand up. In verse 12, it says, let us walk. We need to walk according to God's ways, not according to the way we want to. We can't make any provision for the lust of the flesh, anything that would arouse or activate sin in our life. We need to stand up and walk in God. And this entire chapter from beginning to end is all about submission. When you look at the front of your bulletin, it says, what is the true meaning of submission? And this is where we get to the bottom line of what Paul is talking about here, whether it be to the government, whether it be to God, to other people, getting our lives ready, this idea of submission. You know why submission is so important? Because submission is is worship. Submission equals worship. Now, I'm not saying that we worship the government or we worship other people. No, submission is worship to God. It says in chapter 12 that we would give ourselves to God, that we would worship Him and give Him our lives. And as we do that, we then submit to what He tells us to submit to. And by submitting, I'm worshiping God. Submission is worship. And that's what makes submission so important. That we wouldn't just sing it. That we wouldn't just act it out. You know, and and we wouldn't just give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Well, I honor God. I love God. I'm submitted to God. And yet I don't submit to the governmental authority. I don't love other people. Are you kidding me? No, if you are submitted to God, these things will be happening in your life. Romans chapter 12 gives us that launching pad. We offer ourselves to God, and then we give ourselves to others. And that's how we worship God. Ephesians 5.21 says it the best when it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We submit to one another. We submit to those in authority in reverence to Christ because we belong to him and he has transformed our lives and he has changed us and thus we submit. There's a story told of a woman that got married to a man and after the honeymoon she realized she had married a very harsh man. He was cold, he was calculating and it got so severe that he wrote out a list of do's and don'ts for her and that became the letter of the law in their house. He says, you will follow this or there will be consequences. And she was a faithful wife and she did what she was told and all of those things. And and it was a horrible, horrible relationship. Mercifully, this man died. And she was set free. And time passed and she met someone new. She got married. 
And at the end of that honeymoon, she realized that she had married a very kind, loving, generous man that put no restrictions on her, no do's and don'ts, just there was love in the house. There was a mutual submission. It was something beautiful. And she was going through an old box one day, and she pulled out of the old box the the list of do's and don'ts that her first husband had given her. And to her shock, she was still doing that list for her new husband, all the do's, all the don'ts, but this time not out of fear, but out of love. See, we can get what God is telling us in his word and say, okay, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to submit here and there. Or we can walk in close relationship with him and these things just begin to happen in our life. We do them not out of the law, but out of love. Do you remember what Paul says earlier in the book of Romans that 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 relationship with the law is a barren relationship? It's a horrible relationship. And the law is dead. You don't have to stay with the law. You can now come with Christ. And with Christ, it's, it's, a, it's not that I have to do this and don't do this now. It's just that I love Jesus. Because I love him, I will follow what he says. And as we submit to the governmental authorities, as we love one another, it's not just, well, i got to do this now. i got to do this because I'm preaching on it this weekend. No, i got to do this because I love God. God, I love you more than anything else in this world. So whatever you tell me to do, I'm happy to do because you're a good God. And, and I want you just to bow your heads right now. I just want us to spend a little bit of time with God. In just a moment, we're going to have a quiet worship CD play in the background. But I want you just to begin to take a moment, just with your head bowed and your eyes closed, to, to go back through Romans 13 or maybe look at your notes and, and just do a quick checkup and just see especially in an election year, how is your heart toward those that are in authority or are going to be in authority? Check your heart and, and, and see if you really do feel that debt of love that you owe that could never be repaid, that you could love your neighbor as yourself and love everyone. Check and see if you are ready for Christ's return, that you are putting off the things of the old life and embracing the things of the new life, not because they're a list of requirements, but just because you love Jesus. And I want us to just spend that time. So as the music starts, I'm going to pray with you, and then I'm just going to give you a few moments with God before we go today. I'm purposely ending now so that we can have just a few moments in the presence of God. Lord, I just thank you for your word. God, I thank you that um, you still speak today as you did in, in, in the moments that it was written. But yet, God, you have something new for us today. You have something fresh for us today. And God, I pray that this wouldn't be just a, a message to a, a mass of people, but God, that right now, each individual would do business with you and hear what the Spirit is saying to them. And God, going beyond just the government or loving one another, in these moments, God, I pray that we would just check how we are at submitting ultimately to you. That we have submitted our hearts and our lives to you. That we have come in relationship with you. 
that we have so offered ourselves as a living sacrifice of worship that we are willing to do whatever you ask us to do. Even if we don't understand, even if we see it as difficult. God, I just pray in the next few moments you'd speak to us. We'd get this submission thing worked out in our lives. And God, you'd continue your good work. We just wait on you, Lord, now in this quiet moment of prayer. Lord, I thank you for these quiet moments in your presence. God, I just thank you for this entire day that we've had in your presence. God, deep down in our default setting, it's not just a few things. We just, we don't like to submit to anything. We're not good with authority. But yet, God, today we recognize that you are God. And you are our ultimate authority. And so we worship you and we submit to you. And we obey you because you are good. And whatever you ask us to do in your word, give us strength and power to accomplish that. And... Um, God, I just thank you for our time together today. I thank you, God, that every time we worship or open your word, you change us to be more like you. And so, God, uh, we submit to you today. We worship you. We honor you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
It's good to be in God's presence, isn't it? Man, I could just, like I said, stay here all day, but we'll come back tonight, and we'll continue to worship the Lord, and, and again, uh, trust me, there's, I know a lot of people are getting ready for the work week and things like that. There's just nothing like being in the presence of the Lord for an hour or a couple hours, and, and you can come and go as you want, but it's just a time to be in God's presence, so I invite you back tonight. As we uh, give the blessing today, I'm going to just say that we're going to do this blessing not just for us, but for our nation as well on the, the week of the National Day of Prayer. So would you stand with me to receive God's blessing? And uh, again, realize that his blessing is upon us, it's upon your family, it's upon our church, and ultimately we pray that it be upon our nation. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you uh, that you bless us and that we can walk in that blessing, that we are named as your children, part of the remnant that follows you. And God, I thank you for that blessing that's upon us. And Lord, today we beg that that blessing would be upon our nation, that you would forgive our sin. God, that you would raise up men and women that fear you. And uh, God, we truly would be a nation whose God is the Lord. We desire your blessing. God, most of all, we desire you. We desire revival to come to our nation. And may it begin even here in Chicago. Lord, we thank you for what you have in store, even tonight for us. But until then, keep us safe, keep us strong, until we can gather together again as the church and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll see you tonight. And uh, don't forget, next week is the Seder. Invite somebody. If you need special prayer today, I'll be down front to pray with you. If you're new, I'd love to meet you as well. But uh, God bless you. Have a great day. And uh, we'll see you tonight. Make sure you have fellowship with one another as you go.